0: Hey, Life Roger here, one of the directors. So glad that you're joining us. We got a special treat for you today. We'll get to that in a moment. If you are a brand new listener, welcome for the first time. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Either way, I want to respi- uh, remind you of something I remind you of every week, which is that you belong because every week it's still true. We want to get you plugged into this community. So be sure to fill out a connect card on our church center app, or you can just head on over to our website, but let us know who you are. Any questions you may have areas you're in interested in so that we can reach out and connect with you. Also I want to remind you that like every week, God is up to a ton in our community, in our church. If you want to support the vision of this church, which is to reclaim our identity in Jesus, and bear the torch of Christ's justice and love to our community, then I would encourage you to take the opportunity to support it via giving. For those of you who are currently faithfully giving to support that vision, we thank you. And for those of you who aren't yet, uh, I would again would encourage you to take this opportunity. But like I said earlier, we have a treat for you today. We have our friend, Marnice Roberts, who is bringing the message today. She's going to take us through another week of Out of Hiding and discuss uh, a bit about baggage. So give that a listen, and I'll catch up with you in just a moment.
1: Amen. Let us pray again. Amen. (laughs) Most precious and kind and loving, merciful Father, thank you. Thank you for being the great I am, Lord, and thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your Son, Jesus the Christ, and thank you for your presence of the Holy Spirit. May the words that you have given, Lord, that are in my heart come out of my mouth and bring you glory. And Lord, may those who hear be fed and be changed for the better. In the precious name of Jesus, Lord, we give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Greetings, greetings, greetings. Oh, so I was going to say, now we we got to show out because uh, this morning, the 6 o'clock, they were jumping on tables and chairs and stuff. We had to calm them down. So we are, I am so, so excited to be here. How are you feeling today? Are you feeling glad this morning? Amen. I'm loving hats. Amen. I would have a hat on, but I got these braids today. So thank you, Sister Bridget, for the kind announcement. And thank you to Pastor Jared for allowing me to share the word of God with the people of God on this morning. It is truly a blessing to live in Canton and to serve here at Life Canton Church. Canton is a community I have called home for 20 plus years and the government most of the time refers to me as S. Marnese Limbrick Roberts. Not running from the law, just a lot of names. (laughs) And I am so proud to be known as Byron's wife. I am blessed. Amen. I am blessed to be known as his wife since elementary school. He has remained the apple of my eye. Y'all so say, aw. (laughs) Yes, I am also a mother, and I know here at Life Canton, we make it a point to instill the importance of our identity in Christ. Today is Mother's Day, and like many of you, I delight in the identity of a mom. I identify as a 27-year-old mother Yes, I said 27, amen, 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 amen. And, and for the record, don't try to do the math because I've struggled with math a lot of times and, and I can't figure out that math problem either. <laughs> well, especially since our, our daughter Greer, she's 27, Shelby is 30, and our son is 31. So, you know, their ages might kind of complicate the identity. But then there's another level. There's another level because um, their union, Winston and Kristen, that's our daughter in love who we adore, they blessed us with absolutely the most precious grandbaby in the whole wide world, Zora Ruth. Amen? And I see y'all still trying to figure out that math problem. Stop. Just stop processing. I'm going to save you. That's the new identity, the new math, all right? So let's just say that Byron married an unashamed young lady who identifies every year as a 27-year-old wife, mother, and grandmother. Amen? Amen. I am blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond measure. You know, mothers have revered through history, from ancient pagan celebrations to church holidays to the present-day Mother's Day. And it all started at, uh, in Genesis with Eve. It continued with moms, mamas, mama, mamas, mothers, mom pets, grandmothers, and moms of angel babies and women dealing with infertility. We celebrate you. God loves you more than all the grains of sand, and he loves you um, to infinity. God sees our daily interactions. He allows us to focus on him and his devotions. So every day I pray, every morning, that I will do what pleases God. And every morning I mess up. Every single day I mess up. And there might be some mothers out there who mess up as well. But some relationships, they are complicated and they go through seasons and some are just bad times all the way around. These different relationships allows each one of us to have our own image of what a mother is. So praise God for grace, forgiveness, and mercy. But God is the example for a parent's role to train up a child by saying yes, no, and not right now at the correct time. But the challenge is we don't always know what to do or when to do it, and we never really know what's going to work. And like I told you, I mess up every day, but God knows as believers in Christ, we need to consistently pray, give love and direction and Jesus to our children every single day. And, and not just to our children, but to our communities and to our families to say every day we work hard at trying to make a difference in the lives of others. But today... I say to all who have taken on this huge responsibility of being parents, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to the moms, happy, happy Mother's Day. You know, at the beginning of the month, uh, Pastor Rogers started us off with a series of Genesis with Adam and Eve. He gave us a working definition of shame. Shame is the feeling that something is wrong with who I am. And this morning, I'd like to share three real stories about shame and the baggage (laughs) that they carry. So we're going to play a game. Are y'all ready? Y'all supposed to say, yeah, I'm ready. Woo! Okay, good. Okay, so guess who I'm approaching? Oh, you want me to take off my shoes? Oh, take off my jacket? Oh, you want to open this? Who am I approaching? TSA, TSA, TSA is also known as the Transportation Security Administration. Those are the agents that we have to approach. And no matter what and how you feel about TSA, the checkpoints and the inconveniences that we have to go to, it, go through, and deal with, the understanding is they exist to keep us safe. Now, I know this is probably going to surprise you. So when I say go, oh, okay, let's practice. Ready? Oh, very good. Okay. My last trip that I took, I was standing in line, and I encountered a stern TSA officer. I enjoy talking to people. That's your cue. Oh, yes, very good. <laughs> I was standing in line with my daughter, and we had about this much baggage, and we got split up. She went to one agent, and I went to another. And the agent that I went to looked at me, and he said, uh, where's your family? And I said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, she's, she's back there. He said, um, why aren't you with her? I said, well, she's back there. And he looked at me dead in my eye, and he said, you never leave family behind. Now, I was not expecting that, and I felt a little shame. But this encounter renewed my view of TSA. It made me reflect. TSA is known for x-raying through durable shells and exposing hidden things and also to keep you safe. But this morning, I thought, you know what? We gotta think of TSA in a different way, a new way. So I want you to remember all of this baggage on the stage. I want you to listen to each of the stories, but I also want you to feel the subject's feelings. Do, do you see God as a TSA agent? Yes or no? You know, he goes through all your stuff and goes, ah, this is, this is terrible. You, uh, no, why did you do that? You can't do that. That's way too, no. You did it again. You messed up. Is that God? That's how you think God is a TSA agent. Well, how about this? Do you think God is in TSA? That's different, huh? You're supposed to say yes. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay. Well, the answer is God is in TSA. God is in TSA. God takes shame away. Before becoming a mother, I enjoyed celebrating my mother on Mother's Day at my church, Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in Flint, Michigan. I am a Flintstone. Woo woo! (laughs) Growing up every morning on Mother's Day, um, not every morning, but On mornings of Mother's Day, all the mothers would be wearing a red or a white carnation. I thought one day when I grow up, I'm going to buy a red or a white carnation for my mother. I was in the sixth grade, and that day came. Every year, the women at our church, the Women's Day Committee, would sell carnations, They would be at a long table in the back corner on the right-hand side by the window. Just the light would be shining in, but they were next to a bulletin board that had five by seven pictures of mothers who had passed away. I had squirreled away some money from doing light, you know, chores for senior citizens on our street. I was so excited. This was going to be perfect. Now, I was already secretly going to purchase these carnations, but this day really made it special because... I was coming in. I had it all planned out. I figured, you know what? I'm going to make sure that my mother knows what's going on when I surprise her. So I went in, got my, uh, my carnations, put the $2.50 on the table. It was all in quarters. <laughs> and I picked up my carnation first, said thank you, put it on. But I, I placed it perfectly, just, you know, right here, right above, you know, this part right, right below the shoulder blade. It was all perfect. And I thought, okay, now I've got to go find my mother. So I quickly scampered down the hall, looking for my mama. And I, I noticed that all the church members were looking at me like, and I was looking back and I thought, oh, it must be my new Easter outfit. You know, I wore it last month, just one time though, wore it last month. And usually I'm wearing knee socks, but guess what? This time I was wearing stockings, like a grown woman, sixth grade. I thought, I better slow down so everybody can see me in my outfit and my stockings. So I made it a point to speak to every single person who came my way. Hi, hi, greetings. And then my pastor came by and he he looked at me and he said, hi. And I said, hi, and he looked a little perplexed, but I was on my way. I was in pursuit of my mission. So I said, hey, and I kept moving. I looked down the hall and I saw my mama. She was standing in the distance and I darted out and I said, all right. And I had this carnation in my... But I was dainty when I was running because I had on stockings. (laughs) But I extended my hands with this red carnation and I gave it to her. And I said, happy Mother's Day, mama. The red in this flower matches the red in your dress. And she said, it sure does. And then I proudly added, and I have on... A carnation that matches the white in my dress. And she said, It sure does. Now, regarding the origin of Mother's Day, a mother, the mother of Anna Jarvis of Philadelphia, had first promoted the wearing of a white carnation as a tribute to one's mother. The custom developed into wearing a red or a pink carnation to represent a living mother. And a white carnation to represent a deceased mother. It wasn't until I got home that my mother explained to me the awkward situation. You see, my mother's mother was alive, so the red carnation was just fine. But my mother was not dead, so the white carnation, we had a little issue. But a red carnation and a white carnation had turned my perfect world upside down. The following Sunday, I had to go back and face the crowd. I was humiliated. My mother put her arm on my shoulder and we walked into the sanctuary. We were surrounded by a crowd of church people. They just looked at me and they smiled and I smiled back. (sighs) (laughs) We sat down and I was feeling ashamed because I had embarrassed my mother. But when I sat down, my head was down. And on the back wall, as I looked up, there was the cross. Carnations had become my baggage. I was in the sixth grade. I felt exposed and embarrassed because I thought that I had to be perfect in carrying out my perfect plans. But now I had a bag full of carnations. James 3 verses 2 states, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now, over the years, I accumulated more baggage. I was young, and somebody might say, well, it was just a small piece of baggage. I mean, come on. But it might not be a big deal, but it bruised me. Did I feel shame? Feel my feelings. My second story has nothing to do with my childhood or me as a 27-year-old mother. This story is a testimony from the Bible about a woman caught in the act of adultery. John chapter 8, verses 2 through 4 reads, A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of a crowd, Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, let's stop for a minute. Caught in the act of adultery. She was surrounded by a crowd of people. Her intimacies, her... um, uh, Let's just call them her indiscretions were exposed right out front. These transgressions were the topic... Of discussion in front of a crowd. Remember, they caught her in the act of adultery. Now, I know I'm talking about TSA, but right now I'm about to talk about TMI. So if the person next to you doesn't know what that means, tell them, TMI stands for too much information. So I'm about to give it to you. She probably was discombobulated when they snatched her. She was probably naked or partially clothed. She was probably worried and had heard the whisperings of what people were wondering, wondering what she was doing when they actually caught her in the act. And she probably was without family, and she probably was anxious about being stoned to death. Now, I'm just going to take a wild guess and say she was probably terrified because they took her from one man then placed her in front of another man who was going to decide her faith. But Jesus is no ordinary man. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's go back to verse 4. John chapter 8, verse 4. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his fingers. He kept demanding and they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust when the accusers heard this they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until only jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman jesus stood up again and said to the woman where are your accusers didn't even one of them condemn you no lord she said and jesus said neither do i go and sin no more. The people in authority overexposed this woman. If they were, if this was her Netflix the- uh, see, a series, it would be titled TSA: Extremely Exposed in Front of a Crowd. To be continued. They would unzip and hold up her baggage, and they were going through her stuff, and it's really interesting when you look at somebody else's stuff being gone through, but when it's yours, it's a different kind of feeling, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Inside of these bags, we don't know what's coming out. We don't know what's in there, but again, all of it is humbling when it's yours. Now, did you notice in the story That Jesus kneeled down in front of a woman, a sinful woman, a broken woman, yet a child of God, not once, but twice. This is not something Jewish men did in that era. Last Sunday, Pastor Jared talked about how things were and are baked into culture. Jewish men did not lower themselves in front of a woman. However, Jesus did it twice. He exhibited humility in front of a crowd. Did she feel shame? Just feel her feelings. The last story is called The Prodigal Son. This is a story that was told by Jesus. It follows two similar stories, one about a lost coin and the other about a lost sheep. The parable of the prodigal son is also known as the parable of the loving father. The blessing in all of this is that we have time to think about how, God, how much God loves us. Um, prodigal means to spend a lot of money on things you don't need and being wasteful of the things you need that you do have. Everybody get that? Do I need to say it again? Okay. Prodigal means to spend a lot of money on things you don't need and being very wasteful with the things that you have. The scripture lesson comes from Luke chapter 15, and this is just a summary Jesus starts by saying, a certain man came to two sons. The younger son approached his father inappropriately and said, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So the father divided up the estate between them. The son foolishly lived a selfish, self-centered, and totally reckless life after he lost all of his inheritance he forced he was forced to live as a hired hand for a pig farmer he was so destitute that he was thinking about eating the food of the pigs realizing that his father's servants have been been working had better working conditions he thought it made more sense for him to return home to his father. He thought if he begged his father and asked him to be a servant, it would be a good thing. However, upon arrival at his father's house, his father sees him at a distance and runs to him, welcoming him with loving and open arms. His father was overwhelmed with joy at the sight of his son's return, and he decided to hold a grand party for him in his honor. However, the older brother was outside working and he heard all this partying and he was working hard in the field and he could hear music and hear people really enjoying themselves and dancing. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? When he discovered that his little brother had come home, the one who had run off and left them, he grew so angry and refused to greet his father. His father came out to the older son and begged him to come in and join them. But the older son was flat out furious. Now, Luke chapter 15, verses 31 and 32 state, His father said to him, Oh, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But this was the day to be happy and celebrate. Your brother was dead, but now he was alive. He was lost, but now he is found. We all need to remember that God, our father, respects and values those who are close to him and work with him. Our heavenly father is aware of the people who are doing the work. He knows if you are serving. He knows you want to please him and follow his commandments. God sees all, and God decides all. There's a lot of unpacking to do. But the entire meaning of this parable of the prodigal son comes down to what the father did. The character in this story represents God. So feel the father's feelings. This story is about two brothers who received their inheritance early. But It is also about a father who loved his sons. There is so much to learn about culture, but praise God that the Holy Spirit will reveal because he reveals what we don't see. Both brothers received their inheritance early. Both brothers had a sense of entitlement. Both brothers heard generous uh, compliments from their father, and both brothers received love, forgiveness, and compassion from their father. But here's the heart of the story. The father did not wait for his sons. The father went to both of them. He ran out to greet the younger son while he was still a long way off. He came out to the older son and begged him to come into the celebration. This parable is overflowing with so much wisdom for parent-child relationships. This includes for adult children and parent relationships as well. Jesus is showing us how to live, respond, show forgiveness, and give love. We have to make time to unpack our own baggage. I was enlightened when I discovered the father's reason for running. A father running, in this case, was actually shameful in the Jewish culture. This revealed that the father was not just unashamed to welcome his son back, but everything in him was painfully showed that he was overjoyed to go get him and bring him back to the home. Then he went out and begged the older son to come in and greet the younger brother the father accepted the shame to welcome the prodigal son back into his heart and into the home. Can anybody else in here relate to that? You know, I remember approaching my parents to give me something, but I tell you what, it was not about an early inheritance. (laughs) And I have also inappropriately approached God one too many times. But repentance is turning away from sin and turning toward God. Maybe you feel like you've messed up one too many times. Perhaps you haven't talked to God in some years. Well, the response of the prodigal son's father is the same response of our God God our father. The moment you called his name, the moment and the second you turn back and apologize to him, the moment you change your actions and your deeds and your heart, know that God is running toward you. He is ready to show and to give you compassion and love. He will never leave you. He is patiently waiting for your return. Do I feel shame? Do you feel shame? Take the time and feel your feelings. Tell me what these three stories have in common. Someone did something. Others noticed something. And those individuals felt shame about something. And then Jesus showed up and TSA took shame away. Now that is something. And Romans 5.35 says, Can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? Do you feel that you failed the Lord so miserably and done something so bad that there is no hope for you? Well, guess what? Join the crowd. We have all fallen short. We just have different bags. Despite our own human weaknesses, our failures, and our sins, these stories emphasize that Jesus is eager to forgive us and to restore our relationship with him. As Pastor Rogers said, who told you you should feel ashamed and that you're not worthy or that you could not be forgiven? It's the enemy. You see, the enemy's job is to distance us from God. So what does he do? He places blame on us and magnifies the shame in all the ways he can. Satan gives you bags of shame and and then tells you what to do with it. He tells you to encounter them and to carry them around. Satan's job is to place doubt, instill fear, and destroy relationships. Relationships with our family. Relationships with our friends. Relationships with our fathers and our mothers. Satan celebrates when children don't talk to their parents and when parents disown their children. The enemy actually does a little happy dance when he sees us arguing in community, in churches, in families. He does not want us to be happy. And he really doesn't want us to be in community nor build community. He wants us alone and hiding in our baggage. He wants us to stay in the dark and alone. Jesus wants—I mean, Satan wants us to believe that there is no hope and God is not with us. He tells you that your shame cannot be erased, but he is a liar. He is a thief. He is one who steals and takes it away. So, Remember, God takes shame (laughs) and throws it away. Amen? (laughs) Satan wants to place all this humility on us, but we don't have to do it. He's the one that makes us feel guilty or shameful. I want to give you just a snapshot of guilt and shame. Guilt describes feelings of responsibilities or remorse over actions Or inactions. Shame is a negative feeling about who we are as a person. I know God sees all and I know God knows all, but it is God who decides on the consequences. But I also know we serve a loving, forgiving God. Amen. (laughs) You know, I cannot tell you how to feel. But what I can tell you is the God that we serve gives us hope. And again, no matter how shameful you are feeling, remember, God takes shame away. Amen? Amen. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. In Romans 5, 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts and through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Remember, God takes away shame. I would just throw all of this off the stage, but they might come get me. (laughs) Don't focus on the baggage. Focus on the blessings from Jesus. And when I say or do something that I know brings shame, I am reminded of the priestly blessing. May God bless you, and may he keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Do you think I have more stories of shame? Say yes. Yes. I sure do, but I'm not going to tell them right now. It's Mother's Day. It is time for you to go out and to enjoy your brunch or your, your dinner reservations and to know that God is there with you. Today, before you leave this building, before you turn off the screens, remember to give your baggage to God. And he is the only one who can take shame away. Amen? Amen. So let us pray. Dear Father, thank you. Thank you for being the great I am. Thank you for your presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection. Rexon. Lord, I thank you that you are the one who can take away the shame. No matter how old we are, Lord, no matter what we have done, no matter how heavy, Father, this shame is, you can take it away. So, Lord, right now I pray for healing. I pray for physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, and, Lord, I pray for the relationships to be healed within families. I also pray for the lost, and I pray that they will seek you and surrender to you. Father, thank you for the reminder that we don't have to carry this baggage anymore. Thank you, Father, for your coming, and thank you for your going, and thank you for allowing us to be your servants. In Jesus' name, I thank you and I praise you. Hallelujah and amen. Amen.
0: Welcome back. Like I said, that message was a treat. It, it was so powerful, and we appreciated Miss Marnie so much for bringing it to us and sharing what God put on her heart. I hope that you heard her, her call to let God take away your shame, and I hope you are able to do that this week, that God is able to connect with you and come close to you in a way that he removes the shame from you, um, that you may be suffering under you. Uh, if you are either in that position of just dealing with some really heavy stuff or or just going through life in, in general and need support, please reach out and let us know. We'd love to pray for you. Again, connect Card is the best way to do that. But I hope that you have a blessed week and that this week uh, God comes face to face with you in a way that results in you being able to let go of some of that baggage that Miss Marnie's talked about. Have a blessed week and I'll catch up with you again real soon.